Hello and welcome to JLGB Virtual We Are Live. As part of JLGB's recent adjustments to the coronavirus lockdown, we have been helping parents and young people stay entertained and active all online. In order to adapt our delivery to the government restrictions, on the 23rd of March, we launched JLGB Virtual, which runs every Monday to Thursday evening. This is our way of ensuring that we can continue to delight, inform and entertain young people so that they can have some fun, learn new skills and make a difference. Sessions include skills like magic, upcycling and coding. Physical activities and the focus of this podcast series, interviews with expert speakers from a range of backgrounds, including famous actors, social entrepreneurs, government ministers and many more. These interviews are run by young people like myself. So if you have any questions or want to get involved, please reach out to us on any social media platform. Just look for Judge BHQ and message us. We have so many exciting guests for you to listen to and we hope you'll join us live very soon. For now though, join us through our catalogue of guests. Today's guest is film, television and theatre actor Rupert Graves. Sit back, relax and I hope you enjoy. Rupert Graves is a British film, television and theatre actor famous for roles in A Room with a View, The Madness of King George, V for Vendetta, and Horrible Histories, the movie. Since 2010, we've all seen him starring as Detective Inspector Lestrade in the BBC television series Sherlock, a show many of us here are massive fans of. Born and raised in Western Supermare in Somerset, Rupert left school at the age of 15 and set to work in the entertainment industry as a circus clown making his stage debut in 1983 in The Killing of Mr. Toad. Rupert shot to fame and established himself through a series of critical successes in the mid-80s and 90s in movies and has continued to grace our screens and stage in critical successes, including The Foresight Saga and Broadway hits such as The Elephant Man. For our younger viewers, we will have, they will of course know Rupert as Governor Suetonius Paulinus in the brilliant and iconic 2019 film Horrible Histories, the movie. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome tonight's very special guest, Rupert Graves. Rupert, it's an, absolute, it's an absolute privilege to have you on the show tonight. So, Thank you for asking me. How are you? How is lockdown? And how are you keeping positive? Uh, well, um, it's, uh, well I've, the thing is, I've been uh, making a, a TV show uh, for the last half a year in Buenos Aires and in, in the south of France. I've got five kids. So I've been away, I got back in March. Um, so really, I've just, it's, it's kind of, for me, having been away for six months, it's been uh, really a, a real treat to have so much time with the kids. And what's lovely, I've got, having five kids, it's normally we are lives off deadline this homework it's kind of unusually chill i mean it was great for about eight weeks the last four weeks have been dragging on a bit but um but actually i've actually quite enjoyed it in a strange way i got the coronavirus myself actually the first couple of weeks um which wasn't great but um but apart from that yeah so so it's been nice just hanging out with my family has been and and you know the lack of deadlines i think for all the negatives, and there's nothing more negative than the, the, you know, people getting ill and, and, and dying even, but there is, um, but there are some, the, the lack of deadlines and, and the different pace of life, especially if you live in uh, London or a big city like London, which is bustling, I think is quite interesting actually. It might be something which we can take into our post-lockdown world. Yeah, as in... And so you meant you just mentioned then being obviously in kind of France and Buenos Aires. So it's a, it's also it also might have, it must have been quite nice for like that change of scenery to be back in good old kind of England. I'm sorry, you're, 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 the, 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 the audio's cracking up. I can't hear what you said. Sorry. As I was just saying that, how you said that you were kind of a, abroad until you've been abroad for quite a while. So it must have been quite nice to be back. To oh, spend. It's, lovely. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we're really pleased to have you on our GLGB virtual program tonight. 
So we've been boosting positivity and keeping children and their families active, healthy, and entertained for 11 weeks now since lockdown. And with the help of a special guest kind of helping us each evening. So why was it important for you to join us this evening? You were, of course, nominated oh. by our good friend, well, Colin. Well, yeah, Colin asked me to do it. It sounded to me like a great idea. I think there's very, I mean, you know, there's very few um, positive uh, things for kid, for young people to um, to have, you know, some com community-minded things. People are so used to, I mean, in my day, we had things like, I grew up in a small town. We had youth club, which sounds lame probably now but actually then it was it was really good fun people got together you got you met people there's a lot of you could play games um it wasn't all you know uh it was it was it was and 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 but i think you know with with um a lot of games and social media people tend to actually although it joins people internationally physically it isolates people i think and and uh but this is is a big group uh, it's a community, basically, uh, for young people, which I think is is much needed. And especially if you're doing, you know, positive things, as you're putting such an accent on it like tonight, I think that's an amazing thing to do. Is it? Well, obviously, we're very, very lucky to have you. Um, as you kind of caught the end off with Levy, we're all about acts of kindness here at GLGB. And we always ask our guests what they've been doing to help others during this pandemic. But obviously, with five kids at home in lockdown, as you've mentioned, you and your wife must have your hands full, especially you kind of touched on the last four weeks. So how's that going? And do you have time for much else? We don't have much time to be. Maybe we're schooling, um, you know, five kids that's being schooled. Well, four, one's at college, but the other three are. And that's hard to keep that discipline going every day. But I mean, we, I, I, when we go out, me and my son, especially my um, son, he's the sort of child, whoever sees anybody homeless on the street, he'll always say, uh, you, don't give them money because he's always going to buy, he always thinks they're going to buy a drink, uh, which they may or may not do. But he's always very, very, uh, uh, he's, he's uh, 11 and he's, he makes me go and buy sandwiches or, or Coke or water or crisps. So whenever we go out, we, we do actually spend a fair bit of time around Islington buying um, buying up food and, and drink for, for homeless people. But actually, there's nothing co -cons um, concerted I'm doing. I'm just doing little random little acts like that. And we're checking on neighbours. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm phoning up uh, distant relatives I don't know very well. And making, like making sure my wife's been making food for the, for the elderly lady next door. Um, it's just small things, which I think is what the... the, the the, the stuff of community is these little acts and just trying to be kind of pleasant to people <laughs> it's, it's it, you, it sounds lovely it's kind of and it's it's exactly those types of things that we hope more people feel inspired to do so um yeah if we can kind of shift it a bit towards kind of the beginning of your career so at 16 you joined the traveling circus to become a clown so how did that happen yeah. and I mean, what did your parents say? Just, yeah, what, what's the well, thinking was, behind I was, that? I had a very, there was no thinking. I, I don't think. I left school when I was 16. I'm, my brain is, this is a bell. It's an empty old bell. It makes a lot of noise sometimes, but it doesn't have much substance. No, I, 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 I did very badly at school. I think I was a bit ADHD. I think I was probably be diagnosed as that. I was very restless and found it very hard, difficult to concentrate. Um, but there was a job centre in my small town, and there used to be a thing called the uh, YTS, which was the Youth Training Scheme, which was a government-sponsored apprenticeship. And normally, they'd pay the government would pay twenty-five pounds to a say a metal worker or a, a, an ironmonger who needed an apprentice. Um, but a circus came into town, and their, their clown had run off with a woman, uh, as is the way of circuses. And so they arrived in my town, uh, down as a clown. And so they thought, ah, they'd heard about the YTS. So they went to the local job centre and got a government grant to, trainee, to train a clown. Um, I knew one of the ladies who worked in the, in the job centre. She knew I wanted to be an actor. 
So she called me and said, look, there's a, an opening in the circus for a clown if you want to come down and have an audition. So I did, and I got there. And then literally the next day, I, um, I, I, I went off with the traveling circus. And my parents, I think, were glad because it actually was, was rather than becoming aimless and feckless, I actually had, they knew I wanted to be an actor, and there aren't that many opportunities in, in Western Supermare where I grew up. So it seemed like a, 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 a step in the right direction. Is it? I mean, you clearly made you clearly made the right choice. As in, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fan. the interesting thing. I mean, that's the interesting thing with my wife's very academic, and she comes from a very academic family. I'm the absolute opposite, um, and I find it quite difficult sometimes with our kids um, saying you've got to do your homework because I literally didn't do any. Um, uh, but but I needed. I mean, the thing is, if you don't you, you, you don't do your homework and you don't put the work in. Uh, you are then dependent on luck, and I was lucky, and a lot of people aren't lucky. Um, yeah, but I do think luck, and I do think you can make your own luck by being positive, helps. I mean, not entirely, but you can, you can to a certain degree help help luck. But you need to be lucky. Um, yeah, if you if you if you're like me. Was it you've? Uh... Obviously, you've had a long, you've had quite a long career and a quite a, it's a very admirable career. And your IMDb bio describes you as born a rebel, resisting authority, and breaking rules at an early age. So yeah. Aside from well, run, aside fair, from running off to join the circus, kind of, what did you do to deserve such a description? I, I, I'm not even sure. I mean, to be, we don't write those things ourselves. <laughs> to be honest. Well, I was always, I mean, I was, I was a child who was in trouble. I mean, I was, I was, I was a, I used to feel quite a lot of, uh, I used to get quite panicky and anxious. And I deal with it, I think, by being, uh, rather than allowing myself to be or seem vulnerable, I probably be, was, uh, would kind of become, um, what's the word? Not destructive, but uh, what's the word? You know, when you're disturbed, you know, just, I, I was always creating disturbances and making a lot of, uh, noise and yeah and and so when i left the circus i had nothing to do i was kind of staying up late and doing pulling all-nighters and sneaking into pubs and you know just kid stuff no i was never in any real trouble but i was i was un, i was ungoverned might be the word to use that's a good word to use <laughs> and maybe ungovernable are you now going to go on to imdb and just change it up a bit <laughs> no, <can't be> <laughs> I quite like it. Rebel sounds cool, but it's not. I mean, if I was a rebel, I was a sort of a, a, a ridiculous rebel rather than a cool one. I'd, I'd stick with rebel. I'd yeah, just I'm stick just with rebel. Qualify it, just same with rebel. You've said in many interviews that you knew you wanted to be an actor, but it was reading The Seagull, a play by Chekhov, that really confirmed it. So I'm sure many of our viewers haven't read or seen it. So kind of, why did it have such an effect on you? Well, Chekhov, I mean, I was, you know, again, I, was, I wasn't, I went to a state school. I, I didn't have much of an education, uh, really. But I mean, two, two, two pieces of writing sort of changed my life. One was uh, David, reading the notes for David Bowie's uh, Hunky Dory. I never thought anybody could write. Uh, I mean, in those days, people, the, the lyrics were much more like, hey, baby, hey, blah, 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 blah. You know, it was rock and roll, kind of more simple rock and roll. Now you've got hip hop and you've got uh, much more expressive uh, lyrics. But Bowie was the first person that I'd come across who was very expressive. So that made me, uh, made me think about how interesting words were, really. And after I'd seen that, then I picked up in, in the science lab, somebody's left the seagull, and I read The Seagull by Chekhov. Um, and it just struck a chord with me. I think probably because Chekhov was writing about um, small towns in, in, in the vast expanse of Russia. So those places were very, very cut off from Moscow. Everybody wanted to go to Moscow. Moscow was cool. Everybody was bored, which was very like actually my small town in England, where I grew up. There was a, a resonance with that. And people had a yearning in his place. They often have a yearning and an ambition um, and often to do with words and theatre and stuff, um, especially The Seagull is about a young man who wants to write for the theatre. Um, he's got a famous actress for a mother. 
Um, and he's dreaming of becoming a, a great playwright and going to uh, Moscow, but he's thwarted by his provinciality, I suppose. And I, maybe, and, and, and he's such a beautiful, honest, uh, humane writer and a poetic writer too, that, uh, that, it, that, it, that it just blew me away when I read it. I think that's in itself is a glowing endorsement for a lot of us to read it then. Yeah. Oh, he's a, he's a wonderful writer. <laughs> yeah. And, and a great humanist too. And he really, he, he, he writes about human frailties kindly. He doesn't seem to judge or, or he, he lets everybody have their reason and their say to be as they are. Have a good understanding of kind of characters and yeah, but he was a doctor. He's a, uh, so he was a very experienced and, and, and by all accounts, a, a, a great man. It's a, and undoubtedly, a kind of a massive impact on the world of lit of the literary world. And yeah, um, if again, can we as in talking about kind of your career? It's like the next big your big break in the movie. And so, what was it like? What was your big break, and kind of what was it like getting your first major role? And then, well, it was, it was, my first major role was a, a room with Livy. It was my first any role really in a movie. I'd been I'd done a few sort of small parts on television, but I'd never really done a a, a movie, and I hadn't been to theatre school. I'd only done I'd worked at Butlins at this point in the theatre, and I'd done various comic monologues, and I'd been in a rotten old punk band. Um, so I'd done some performing, but I never really acted on screen which you kind of have to know something about which I didn't know anything about but there's a scene in Room of the View which is my first scene when I come and I say does anybody want to bathe and I thought that was such a poncy thing to say I found it so embarrassing that if you look at the film you can see that I'm blushing and it wasn't from good acting it's because I was so frightened and slightly ashamed of what my friends in Western Supermare would think by saying does anybody want to bathe um yeah so it was I was overwhelmed I felt very much like the provincial uh, jumped up country boy coming and, and it's, you know, there's a lot of big, uh, wonderful actors in that movie. Um, it was all lovely and very welcoming, but I still felt uh, very shy and, yeah, shy. I said, what was it like, kind of, you mentioned like all these legendary actors and actresses that were in it. So Judy Dench, Maggie Smith, Helena Bonham Carter, and of course, I mean, Sir Daniel Day-Lewis, like, what, yeah. What was kind of the feeling when you were working with these icons in the industry? Well, the first day I found utterly uh, frightening, terribly frightening. But after that, it was thrilling. I, I, it, was, it was kind of wonderful being amongst people who could, who were that skilled and, and talented. Um, it's unusual to be in a group of people uh, with that, you know, all that talented together, doing what I wanted to do. It was, it was like heaven. <laughs> I never really talk, and I found it exciting and thrilling and, and really giddy. It was wonderful. <laughs> so, kind of, and you've really made an impact as kind of a costume drama actor. So, yeah. your recent role in Emma, uh, yeah. which is an, a massively uh, well received film, is there anything particular that keeps drawing you to that specific genre? I think my name, I think people, I think Rupert is one of those names. I think, I genuinely think it's true. I think, um, yeah, I think it's that. I, I don't, I mean, there's a fallacy with actors that you, the actor's going to get a, we, I think, hmm, what should I do next? Hmm, I have a, a big pile of scripts on my desk. It's not really like that. It's, uh, you, you do what fits in with what you want to do at the time. Um, I wasn't even really supposed to be in Emma. I was doing a play in the West End uh, last year and they were doing a read through of the script and they didn't have anybody to play Mr. Weston. They had, I think they had an idea for somebody they wanted to play, but I knew the casting director. He said, Rupert, do you mind coming in and just reading it? So I read it and Autumn DeWild, who, who uh, directed the movie, uh, liked what I did enough with the reading or hadn't prepared. And the other guy couldn't do it for some reason, I think in another film. Um, so then she, when he fell, it dropped out, she asked me if I wanted to do it. And that's why I got that. But I mean, I don't really choose, I'm, I'm quite bad at, this, at, at, some actors are very good at, at, at creating a, a career and guiding it. But I, I, I tend to just respond 
if I feel like I can respond to, to the words on the page, or I can find a little way into the character, then I'll, I'll probably do the part. And to be fair, it's definitely worked out for you. It's yeah, no, I've been, I've been, but I mean, I, like I say, I've been incredibly, there are lots of very talented, brilliant, wonderful actors. Um, it, it, you, you need luck, you do need luck. Yeah, and yeah. so I kind of, and there are so many questions that I would love to ask you about Sherlock and about swimming with men and kind of, and V for Vendetta, because I'm a big fan. But I'm going to give the, that honour to our regular audience members. Okay, cool. So I'm going to hand over to some of them for some questions, and then we'll Brilliant. come back to me for a few more before wrapping it up. Lovely. So, Thank you, Jeff. The first person I'd like to, well, who'd like to ask you a question, uh, Luke. Hi, Rupert. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Luke? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. It's, um, I'm a big fan um, as well, and it's really great to get to talk to you tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, so I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about Sherlock. Um, so what was it like playing, you know, D.I. Lestrade and did Conan Doyle's original portrayal of him have any influence on how you chose to play the character in the modern day? Uh, that's a good, good, very good question. This, well, the, the, I mean, Conan Doyle doesn't write that much about Lestrade, actually. Yeah. Um, and and Stephen Moffat, uh, uh, you know, bigs the, the character up a little bit in the uh, or, or changed him. So I responded to that. I just wanted to make sure that he was a a policeman and not and not just a, a kind of comic foil. Uh, I thought was, I thought the I mean the idea to to have uh, proper policemen doing police procedural stuff kind of then highlights how clever and how. Uh, um, ungoverned by uh, procedure Sherlock can be, how he can bring, you know, the, the, the kind of big blue sky thinking in to work. So I just wanted to make him, I, I didn't actually work that much from Conan Doyle's um, uh, prototype on the page because it, there just simply wasn't quite enough there. And I thought what was there was very difficult, very, uh, yeah, difficult to um, bring into the modern context. I just wanted to make him somebody who wasn't brilliant, somebody who wasn't too stupid, I mean, everybody looks stupid next to Sherlock. Um, but uh, but uh, try and make him a, a credible copper. Yeah, I mean, the way that you play him and the banter that him and Sherlock kind of have is, like, amazing. And the fans love that about the show. So we, that definitely comes across well. Um, and what was the rest of the Sherlock cast and the writers like to work with? Was it a fun set to work on? And how did Benedict Cumberbatch react to the fact that all of his fans thought he looked kind of like an otter? I haven't asked him about the otter <laughs> thing, but it's um, doing that show, and I'm still hoping that they're going to do another one. I don't know. If, I haven't got any inside info at all, um, but I hope I hope they do. Um, but it, it was it was one of those shows that you kind of do every year and a half, every roughly every year and a half you do a new series, um, and everybody was always so delighted. To, you know, Una and and everyone and Mark and everybody getting back together was really like it was a very close. Um, cast and there's always the same crew as well. He was filmed out in, 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 in Cardiff. Um, it was, yeah, it was lovely. It was like it was like coming on a holiday again. It was, it was, it's a really, really great job to have done. And and but, but with the most important thing about it was how bloody good the scripts were. When you and actually come across a lot of scripts, you read a lot more scripts than you actually do, obviously. But it's so rare to have a script that's as good as, as the scripts that Mark and, and, and Stephen wrote. They're really amazing scripts. When I used to get them, I used to open them and sometimes I'd read them on the train back, then like the next script on the train back from Cardiff to London and be shouting out like, Wah! <laughs> in the carriage. Um, they really are brilliant and exciting scripts to read. You yeah, should, definitely. and if you're used to fan of the show, if you can get hold of copies of the scripts, it is, it is really worth, I'd say they're, they're, they're beautifully written. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, the episodes are all so, so clever. So I can imagine that the scripts are really amazing to read as well. Um, yeah, well, seeing the descriptions, uh, they, they write descriptions of what, what they know is going to happen. It's really, really nice. Great. That's so cool to hear. Thank you so much. Okay, pleasure. Uh, thanks, Luke. Um, I'm not sure if you remember this line, but I just kind of have to ask 
for my own peace of mind. Uh, in one of the episodes, they announced that there's a burglary, burglary, and you say not our, not our division or something. And I just wanted to know if that was a line in the script or if that was one you just thought of. No, that was that was a that was that was a line in the script. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, do you kind of have an idea of the chances of a season five? Maybe not at all. Oof. Not at all, because they got in. They they've just done Dracula, as you know. Um, and it, I think it's going to depend on whether they want to do more Dracula or, or whatever they want to do. But there's no, I haven't heard anything yet. I'm just, you know, fingers crossed there's going to be another one. Right. And well, in which case, I think we should move on to the next question from the audience. Uh, Hannah Globe. I think I, I think uh, I'll ask a question instead. In which case, Jake, go for it. Thank you very much. Hi. Um, my question is: When you are filming or you're on stage, do you ever get nervous? And what tips could you give us in dealing with the pressure and nerves, which I'm sure you have you've faced many times? Yeah. No. I, yeah, I do. Hi, uh, Jake, isn't it? Yeah, Jake. Hi, Jake. Um, yeah. No, I do. I do get. I, I was just. Did a, I did a play. Um, well, the first play I did, I, I was literally vomiting in the, in the wings before I went on stage. I was so nervous. Um, and there are times when I've just wanted to run off stage. I had a friend who genuinely considered before going on stage for the first night, pretending he'd had a heart attack so he could be taken out by an ambulance. People run away. It's, it's a, it can be a frightening thing. I was doing... Just before it started, two weeks before it started, I went to see another play, and I was thinking, how the hell do people... I think you keep uh, getting muted for some reason. Can you hear? Hear you now, yeah. You can hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Um, I, I was thinking, how do people get up on stage and do that? Um, then I had to do it myself, but... Uh, and then two weeks later, I did it, and I was, I was fine. I, I actually find meditation is on the day. Do meditation the day before. And it takes, I'd say, 40% of your anxiety uh, and leave, leaves you enough uh, performance um, adrenaline so you can, you know, think quickly and, and, and do some interesting stuff. But, yeah, no, I'd say I genuinely recommend uh, meditating uh, before, sometime in the day before, maybe a couple of hours before you do it. Great. Thank you very much. Okay, pleasure. Do you, are you an actor? Um, I'm not an actor, no. I think uh, the nerves would hit me. I don't think meditation would do it quite for me. Okay, but, but they work for me. Thank you very much. Okay, pleasure. Bye-bye. Uh, thanks, Jake. Now we're going to have a question from Alice. Hi, uh, I just have a question, and it's, uh, do you ever, oh, do you have any advice for uh, build, budding actors that are watching? Uh, are you are you a budding actor, Alice? Uh, no, but I'm sure there must be loads of kids watching. My, I know right. my sister loves loves to act. I I mean I I'd just act, act. Go to like you know there's my my daughter does a thing called Yatty, which is a kind of youth theatre here. I join a youth theatre. Um, I mean the, the, it's it's quite interesting now with with um, social media and TikTok and all those things. You can make little, you can film, in my day, you could never, have, I could never film myself. I never knew what it was like, unless I saw myself on the screen. I never saw, we didn't, you know, we had a thing called Super 8, which is film. You'd take it, it was a, you'd have to send it away, a week later it'd come back. And Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. I don't know what keeps happening to you. No, nor do I. <laughs> um, uh, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd say do that. Um, read plays. Uh, mm -hmm. You can film yourself. You can film yourself. You can look at yourself. Hang on, sorry. Sorry, hello. Hiya. Hi, still there. I don't know what's happened. 
My phone keeps cutting out. Yeah, just... Hello? Hi, yeah. Hi, sorry. Yeah, I just, I do, oh, and, then, and then try and get into a drama school. Um, but the important thing about acting is like anything else, like writing or music is just, pra I mean, the hard thing about acting is to, to practice. It's hard to practice. It's not like you can't, you can't, it's not like music when you can do scales or, you just have to, I'd read plays, read them out loud, read them with friends, join a group. Can you hear? Sorry, I can't hear anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. Um, yeah, I, I do that. I just try and find ways of, of just doing it. And, 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 you know, yeah. Thank you. Okay, pleasure. Thank you. Bye, Alice. <laughs> right. Thanks, Alice. Um, and next we're... <laughs> and next we're going to go to Aviva. Hi. Hi. Um, as uh, we all know, um, my microphone. There we go. Sorry. As we all know, uh, coronavirus has affected the arts industry substantially, uh, closing the West End, cancelling the Edinburgh Fringe and halting a lot of TV and film production. How do you see the future of the industry changing because of the pandemic? That's a massive, I don't, I have no, I've literally no idea. I mean, I know, I mean, in Canada, they've just started making a movie and the cast and the crew were put into a hotel and quarantined together for two weeks before. Wow. Um, but that's hard because you know, there are so many day players that come in, you know, and if you've got a scene with horses, you need the horse handlers going to have to join the crew. So I don't know how they're going to, we're going to have to adapt that. I know that in August, they're looking in America now to start making some pilots again. I mean, I don't quite know how they're going to, manage that i have no idea what you're going to do with live performance i mean i don't know in germany they can do it but they're heavily subsidized by the government so they can have one person to every seven seats or something but in commercial theater which or the small subsidies which rely on on takings at the door i don't know how they're going to do it i mean i i've, I've literally no idea i mean i suppose you can film performances and then and then do something like zoom or stream it or something but that's not quite the same as being in the room live with the actors yeah. there's an alchemy that happens uh, like that but I, I i i i don't really know i mean i have no idea it's it's i mean it's a massive industry the theater and and, and film industry it's huge it's bigger than the car industry it's as far as profits for the country so i think it, the industry definitely needs government help if it's going to survive. I mean, there's already stories of Nottingham Playhouse, I think, are in, is in trouble. Uh, Southampton Nuffield Theatre is already closed. Um, it's a lot of production companies. You know, the, the, the lot, the, my wife works for a producer who's had a show on Broadway. It was going to open the week, all the theatres closed. They still get charged a lot of money for the rent of the theatre, which nobody's going to. That can bankrupt so many people. Mm. I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, you know, some parts of the industry have become so overblown that getting back to a smaller level might not be a bad thing. Um, a, a, a smaller, more intimate level might create some opportunities. But I don't really know. I don't think it can survive without subsidy and help. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to imagine how you can get groups of people together until there's a, a vaccine, really. Yeah. What, what are your ideas? I don't know. Well, um, I'm a musician myself, so I've like not been able to perform. Um, it, exactly, it's a similar thing. It's like, yeah, it's absolute madness, really. I was supposed to take an exam right before, like the week of um, the like COVID and isolation all came in and it's just it's really weird to imagine that it's not going to kind of finish anytime soon and it's all a bit uncertain like when I will be able to perform and when we'll see new stuff on our TVs and stuff and when we can go to the uh, cinema and theatre so yeah yeah yes well good luck I mean <laughs> my, my short answer is I don't know yeah <laughs> oh well
Thank you for your question. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Avi. And now we're going to go on to Simone. Hi. Um, my question is, what would be your dream role in any play or movie? Ooh, interesting. I'd call, I'm, tr I'm trying to develop, there's a, there's a lovely old book by uh, the unlikely named Jeffrey Household. Crazy name, but it's an old, he's an old geezer. He wrote a book called Rogue Mail, which is a sort of paranoid thriller, um, which is uh, about a guy who tries to kill... I think in the book it's meant to be Hitler, or, uh, and is caught, but, but but escapes. But he has to escape, and he in the countryside, and he has to live off his wits. So something sort of uh, political, very actiony, very tense, uh, where you have to get really dirty, and uh, and I, I like I like suspense kind of films with with a lot of tension in them, uh, but it's quite realistic as well. So so that would be my. Uh, what I like to do on stage, I'd, I'd like to have a crack at doing quite a big Shakespeare play, which I haven't really done. I've done some Shakespeare, but never a, a big, a big crack in part yet. I'd like to do that one day. Okay, thank you. Okay, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Simone. Uh, now we're going to go to Jamie. Hi there, Rupert. Hi, Jamie. Um, you played a rapping Roman in Horrible Histories, the movie. Um, yeah. Had you read the book before um, with your own children or watched the TV show? And how yeah, different is it to do a comedian? Sorry? No, no, I interrupted your question because there's a, a delay. I thought you'd finished, but you hadn't. Sorry. Uh, um, and how different is it to do a comedic role instead of a dramatic one? Or do you treat them the same? Uh, interesting. That's a very, very interesting question. Uh, I'd seen some of the horrible histories. I haven't seen that story. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, but you, c comedy without an audience is, uh, I've never done, I haven't done very little comedy on, on film, is the most unsettling experience, especially in something which is quite broad. Like that. All, all comedy you need, needs to be based in truth. If it's not based in truth, then you have to add things on top. Um, it's a great skill, which I haven't had that much practice in. I was, I was quite paranoid doing it. And I, don't, I just don't know where to pitch it. I don't know if I'm going too far. I, don't, I have no idea. Um, I just kind of tried to do things which made me laugh when I was, um, when I was thinking about it. Um, and it, some of it worked and some of it didn't. But I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was very unsettling uh, to do it without, without having any reaction. Because it is, it's, it's, I mean, you know, good comic actors are real master craftsmen. It's really, really hard. And you have to kind of know what you're doing. And I was, I was, I would say I was slightly winging it, um, which was unsettling. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good fun. It's, I mean, it's, to rap on a horse <laughs> is in, in that much eyeliner is one of a career highlights. Something for your CV, isn't it? <laughs> Great, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Um, now we're going to move on to Alex. Alex. So maybe instead of Alex, we'll go see if Sydney's got a question. Okay. Hi, um, in 2018, uh, you starred alongside Rob Brydon and in the British comedy Swimming With Men. You spoke a lot in interviews about how the film highlights the issues of men mental health. Do you think there's still a stigma around men showing emotion and asking for help? And what more do you think needs to be done about it? I do, yeah. I think there's, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean to be honest, I don't think it's only men either, but I think men are uh a little less good at talking about but i think there's i don't know if it's an english i mean i don't know enough of, i haven't lived long enough in other cultures to know if it's a, if it's worse in england or not but i think it strikes me that that might be the case uh, and, and that men i think are worse at talking about how they're feeling or and, ex, and allowing themselves to express emotion than, than women but i mean that's a cultural i think that's a cultural thing but maybe it's not um yeah, I think a lot, and I think 
also, I mean, you know, being called wet, weak, and all the other horrible words that men are called by showing emotions or, or showing that they're not capable of, of I suppose, uh, most emotions that you need to share are seen as a sign of weakness and that needs to be um, addressed. And I think it's addressed by people sharing uh, and, and, and men not feeling so terrible about themselves. Um, so terrible about themselves. I think a lot of people feel lonely that they're the only ones who can't cope. I think it's a great expectation still on men to be able to cope and bear anything. Um, and people, and men feel like a failure if they can't. Um, but of course, every man feels that at some point. Every man feels like a failure. And I think if men can share that uh, and and start talking about how things are affecting before they become critical. I mean, the suicide rate for under 50s men is huge uh, comparative to any other part of, of to any other demographic. Um, so it, it, it yeah, it's, I, I think there is a toxic masculinity, which is toxic to everybody who comes into contact with it, including the men themselves. Um, there's no, I, I'm not, I, you know, there's an interesting thing about things like pink, you know, the color pink, we keep on thinking is a female color, but apparently pink used to be a very macho color because it was the, the, the color of, of the washed out red tunics that soldiers wore. Um, but it's only fairly recently that pink is, but all this is just cultural nonsense as far as I can see. Um, but it affects, I think, the way that, that men see themselves and how they should be and their own relationship with their own emotions. And I think the more that men can share, uh, the better. And I think that needs to be rigorously pursued by men themselves. And I think there should be measures put in place by the wider community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think we're done with the audience questions. But I do have to say, Rupert, in the background, I think we can see some guitars. And you mentioned your previous life as a punk rocker. Are we, yeah. are we, is there a potential musical career on the horizon? Uh, not imminently. This is just for doodling. Um, I, I like to have a doodle. But I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind standing on a stage and, trying to, and, and striking that chord we've all been searching for. Um, but yes, no, but there are no plans for it. But I'll tell you if there are. I'll give you, I'll give you a, little, a little preview concert if I, if I ever manage to get off my ass and do it. Well, in which case, I think we're all just gonna be sitting here with fingers crossed then. <laughs> so I've got just the final three questions for me to kind of wrap up, if that's all right with you. Of course. Um, so, uh, what are you binge watching during lockdown? Kind of what TV, what TV and movies is, would you recommend? You know what I've got. I've got having five kids. I don't actually get to bed to that. I've to put them all down. It's like ten, eleven o'clock. I've watched Unorthodox, which I think I love. I think it's fantastic. I've been watching uh, because I actually get to bed quite late. There's a terrible thing, a show on TV which I love, and I'm totally too ad addicted to which is Life Below Zero, it's called. And it's about a bunch of mad people who live in Alaska in huts, like at 40 degrees below. It's, I'm so addicted to it. That's what, I think that's what I've been, been watching the most, I'm embarrassed to say. I can understand, I can understand the, the appeal of it's the It's really mad. They have huskies, yes. they, these guys go into, 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 these, into the tundra, the, into the icy, wastelands are 200 miles above the arctic circles on their own with their sled dogs and that's kind of it and they go out and hunt bears and and build cabins out of moss and little bits of wicker it's it's kind of extraordinary future life plan in the works then i'm sorry future life plan in the works then <laughs> yeah maybe that maybe i'll just do that from the armchair traveler point of view Right. So um, the next question, the penultimate question is, um, so you can't give us anything conclusive on Sherlock season five, unfortunately, but no, I, mean, I really can't. I really, yeah. genuinely, I would, I would be indiscreet, but I can't even be. <laughs> but so uh, what's next for you kind of, and then what positives do you think might come out of this strange time that we all now live in? Yeah. Good questions. Um, for me, well, I was supposed to be doing a movie, uh, which has got cancelled for now. Um, 
I mean, the, the problem with the movie is you get a bit of money straight away and you're good to go. You, see, you get your locations booked, you've got your actors and your cast uh, and your crew all booked. If that doesn't happen, the money then goes away. So the producers then have to go and find more money. So, you know, there's lots of films that were tiptoe ready, on their tiptoes ready to go, which who knows, maybe lost. They have to refinance probably. Um, at what cost? I don't know. But um, so hopefully that comes back. I was due to finish off making a movie uh, about Mary Seacole, which I'd done just before, at the middle of last year. We were going to do another three, two or three weeks on that to finish off. Um, but that's gone as well. So at the moment, there's absolutely nothing. Um, yes. Apart from those things, if they're resurrected. But there is also nothing being made at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, have no, I literally have no idea. Um, but the, the, so the positives that come around, yeah, I think I kind of touched on that earlier, is, is a way of living with, with, a, with a foot a little bit perhaps off the, off the accelerator a little bit more. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I've been having children, I'm interested in education. I've been reading quite a lot about Finland and the Finnish way of educating children, which is the most successful in the world. And they do it by not testing, by not um, streaming even. They, they seem to be, but by over or having extremely qualified teachers. Um, but they, they, have, they have one lot of exams right when they, uh, at the end of, of their schooling, and that's it. Um, so maybe what we can learn from the lack of deadlines in, in a lot of people's lives is that perhaps we live happier and better in a slightly less pressurized uh, environment. Maybe that's what we can learn and take, maybe that's a positive we can take from this. Is it? I think I would definitely have to agree with you. And uh, I think before my last question, uh, as in, so the person under the name Sharon Sampson uh, wants to ask a question. Okay, cool. So, okay. hi, Sharon. Uh, Sharon, you're on mute. My name's Maya. Oh, oh sorry. Maya. Hi, Maya. Sorry. <laughs> um, what has been um the most embarrassing moment um that you've had in, in life? No, I mean in your job. Oh, in, in my job. Uh, well, theatre is full of things which go wrong. Um, I've forgotten to be on stage uh, before. I've had my trousers fall down on stage and I've had to kind of run off. Uh, forgetting your words is, is very embarrassing. There's quite an interesting and embarrassing outtake from one of the Sherlocks when I was walking down a corridor in a ramp. I was stood on collapsed as I was speaking. Um, all those things are properly embarrassing. Um, but which one was, the, I think probably my trousers falling down is the most embarrassing because there's nothing much you can do about that apart from own up and, and jump off stage and try and uh, get them pinned on by the costume department in the wings. You've disappeared from view. Thank you. Okay, pleasure. Thank you, Mia. Maya. Sorry, Maya. All right. Thank you, Maya. Um, so also, we're going to go to... Sorry. Uh, I think Emily Berman had a question. Um, for histories, um, what was it like playing Governor General Paulinus? It was fun. I really liked, I mean, I liked him because he was, it's interesting playing a character that is so arrogant and proud that he doesn't even know how stupid he is. I, I found that really, really uh, uh, fun. I like, I like authority figures when they, uh, when they mess it all up. Um, and it was my chance to have a real uh, jab at authority by playing that. So I loved, I loved doing that. And in a skirt. Um, so that was fun. It was really fun doing that. And also, the other actors were, 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 were wonderful to work with. That was the, that's the great thing about comedy, actually, is doing comedy. It's, you're so dependent, I think, on, the, um, on, on, on your other actors. You can't just be uh, 
yeah, it's, it, it, I, I loved, I loved the, the, the whole process, although I did find it, as I explained earlier, quite scary. I'm also, though, I'm quite scared of horses, so I, was, I, was, um, I had to have a man leading me around uh, in the movie. Um, they was hoping that I could gallop, but um, I was too frightened. Thank you. Thank you. Right, right, thank you. So my final question is, um, so we always ask our guests to nominate and ask another celebrity. So just like Collins did for you, uh, to be a future guest on our program and to help entertain all the children and young people stuck at home. So if you've enjoyed tonight's experience, uh, who would you like to nominate tonight and think would join us? Perhaps someone from Sherlock. Oh, interesting question. Or, or maybe even um, Rob Ryden. <laughs> you know, I could ask Mark Strong. Do you know Mark Strong? I'll ask him. Oh. You know, but hang, hang on. But if I say this and he says no, that's <laughs> 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 really embarrassing for everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll ask, I'll ask Mark. Uh, well, I think. Everyone will be perfectly satisfied with that. Yeah, okay. So, um, I mean... I play football with Mark. Well, not the moment, but I do. Um, so, I think with that, I, the only thing left to say is thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Um, for inspiring us all. As we've loved hearing about your amazing career and your experiences. Uh, we wish you good luck with all that comes next and we hope to have you grace our screens again very soon whether it's the big screen or the small screen i mean personally it's quite obvious that i'm hold holding out for a sherlock season five so so then so i i, I, I keep keep ringing moffat the <laughs> well, i'll be on your case <laughs> so uh thank you once again for joining thank us thank you very much thank you thank you so much enjoyed it Stay safe, take care, and we Thank hope you. to see you again soon. Brilliant. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's it. So thank you to everyone for tuning in this evening and yet again being part of history. Thank you so much for listening to Jersey Virtual We Are Live. Take care of yourselves and stay safe, and we shall see you again soon.